Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently doing something you love. And today I'm excited to have someone that I have been an admirer of for quite a while throughout my entrepreneurial career. And you might know Audi Rockstar as the original founder of both Woo Themes and Woo Commerce. And now he has a new book called Life Profitability, which he calls a new measure of entrepreneurial success. Adi, thanks so much for being here today. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Corey. Really excited to be here and chatting to you. And I'm reaching you from South Africa, is that right? Yeah, I'm born and bred Kryptonian, and across like everything that I've done ever since I you know, started publishing things online, I've been here in South Africa, um, built global businesses from here, and never really felt the need to move away. It's amazing thinking about it that we have grown up as entrepreneurs online in a world where we are all over the globe and not even necessarily recognizing it. I mentioned that I've long been an admirer of yours, and that's from, of course, Woo Themes, which is such an admirable business and was so influential in the early days. I used Woo Themes on tons and tons of different sites, and I was a subscriber and you know had access to all the themes and it was just so fun and to see the way that you put the framework together and everything. But also, you were known back then as 80 Rockstar, correct? Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> this is taking people way back, perhaps. You had a bit of a pseudonym, I guess, and wrote under that name. And I, I remember reading articles from you, and you also had a book called Rockstar Business and Branding, I believe, was it? Yeah, exactly. I guess for anyone listening that doesn't know me from back then, right? I mean, back then, and this is 2006-ish, right? When I started working online, I figured out that my first language is Afrikaans. It's not English. Um, Afrikaans is similar to Dutch, um, which means my birth name is Adrian Pinar. But even I struggled to say it in English purely because my tongue rolls differently. And I figured that I don't like Adrian. I don't like it when people butcher my name to Adrian. So I have to come up with this new name. And some of my friends at high school whilst playing rugby would call me AD. So I went with AD, went with double I because the we had just come out. So I figured, well, this is nice kind of branding trick. And initially I was AD WordPress Rockstar. So WordPress Rockstar was the kind of tagline there. And then eventually kind of when, you know, as with themes continued to grow and I slightly matured in the way I handled myself online, I didn't want to be just about WordPress. So I figured you know, instead of going to AD Pinar, I would just drop the WordPress and just kind of, you know, combine the AD and the Rockstar. And for years, like that's how people knew me. Like they didn't know what my real surname was. I was just... Rockstar. Love it. And I guess I never really questioned it. It's just something that stuck in my mind. And having known you as founder of such an impressive business, I just accepted it and didn't ask any questions. And then later, of course, came to find out that you had a more normal last name. <laughs> and then you went on to found other businesses as well. And really what I want to talk to you about, and I think this is so important for our audience here, is what you call a new measure for entrepreneurial success. But really, it's a cautionary tale, I would say, because you're not shy about telling the story of founding Woo Themes, WooCommerce, and even your other business, Conversio, and the fact that those businesses earned you millions of dollars. But you also say that you found yourself being an unhappy millionaire. And you want to spread a bit of word of caution about building businesses and the fact that they do become all-consuming. Can you tell us about that place that you found yourself in where you had sold your first business, but you were an unhappy millionaire? And what does that mean exactly? 
You know, Corbett, I think the first thing that I can say here is the last thing that I hope to achieve by having these conversations, by, you know, kind of publishing the book is, you know, sounding like, you know, that very successful person that most people would classify as successful and trying to spew these kind of, you know, lessons learned in hindsight kind of thing, right? It's that hence why I try and be kind of very open about how I got to this point and how those things ultimately made it into a book, right? I think the first thing that everyone should know here is that, so I actually left you know, with him through commerce at the end of 2013, before they ultimately exited to automatic. And I left at that stage because I really wanted to pursue something new. I wanted to challenge myself again. I had this thing in my head saying, 80 year old one hit wonder, like there's no way that you can replicate this kind of success again. You just got lucky, rode the wave of WordPress, all of those kind of subpar stories really. What ultimately inspired is I I did that, got stuck into you know, Convergio. And somewhere during that journey with Convergio, I actually got to a point where I realized that I kind of ticked that box of, hey, I'm not a one-hit wonder anymore. And everything else in my life is going really well for me. I've got a beautiful you know home. At that stage, my kind of your know, second you know, son was just born. He was probably about a year old at the time, and year, year and a half, right? Beautiful wife, lovely friends, etc. Enough cash in the bank to be safe, right? And it's financially independent or stable at least. And I constantly had this kind of just discontent about things that like things was just not the way I wanted them to be. And what ultimately happened is I would take that discontent and my only outlet ended up being business and work and feeding that kind of ambition. But by doing that, I essentially took away from the rest of my life. And the biggest way that played out was I literally kind of, I would work really long hours and I would take a hollowed version of myself back to my family, right? I would, you know, with young babies in the house, I would literally try and kind of, you know, multitask or just manage them as kids, right? So, and when I say multitask, literally trying to read email whilst changing a diaper. So it really is that thing. And, and I think when you try and do that, when I try to do those things, like you suddenly see these two things that are essentially fighting for the same attention, right? Just my attention, just for that same energy. And there being that discontent and disconnect there. I mean, unhappy perhaps isn't the perfect word there. Discontent is perhaps an alternative, but that's at least how I understood that there are these other things in my life that aren't going as well, regardless of how much money I actually have in the bank. It's a hard lesson to understand because even though we know conventional wisdom says that money can't buy happiness, we all kind of brush that off and say, well, I'm going to find out for myself, right? And money almost becomes the goal when probably, you know, you started a business for other reasons. In your case, you started Woo Themes in university. Is that right? In your last year? Yeah, so I built the very first product that eventually became with Teams, and that's how I met kind of Magnus and Mark, who became my co-founders, literally like two months before graduating at university. I can imagine having started it so young that those thoughts of inadequacy or of being a one-hit wonder maybe even stronger because you wonder if it was a fluke or if you just got lucky because it came somewhat easy for you, right? You mentioned in the book that revenue and success came quicker than you thought it might. Yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, we both, myself, you know, Magnus and Mark, like it was really our first rodeo and like WeThemes grew incredibly well. I don't want to detract from the fact that we did, I think we did incredible work. There were so many things we did right and we did the hard things as well. But the extent to which WeThemes and WooCommerce ultimately grew and the pace at which it did that, there was definitely a sense of kind of, you know, timing or at least other things outside of our control. But that also meant that our learning was very much reactive at that stage. I wouldn't say at no point, but at many points in that journey, 
the things we had to learn, we literally learned on the job. It wasn't sitting down saying, hey, here's the next phase of this business. We now need to learn X, Y, Z. Let's go get a book or a coach or like whatever the case is to learn that thing, to do that thing. Everything pretty much we learned on the go. And I think that's how much of life happens. Life is kind of evolving at all times and it changes. And most of the things we learn, we learn on the go, but we often skip past things. And I think those bigger questions around kind of what is my meaning? What is my purpose? What is really important to me are things at that stage, like I didn't kind of ask myself. I said, that's definitely due to just the pace and the scale of that journey. And probably also of kind of your age and somewhat of ignorance as well. Yeah, I can imagine having done, you know, all of this in your 20s. For people listening to this, you know, we have a lot of people inside of Fizzle and just people who listen to the show who are trying to build a business on the side. And I can imagine for them that this feeling of being pulled at both ends and bringing a hollowed out version of yourself home to your family is intensified because they have to work a nine to five and then find time in the nooks and crannies of the day to actually spend on building their business. And it can just feel like a terrible hamster wheel. But, you know, I wonder if this process of understanding what life is about, I think that's really what you're getting at, is having a broader understanding of what life is about and what's important to you, having a better compass maybe to let you know what's important. If you had figured that out, or if someone listening to this who hasn't had their entrepreneurial success yet, if they had figured out what their compass is and what matters to them earlier, how would that change how you build a business? You mentioned in the book that this is a new measure of entrepreneurial success. And also, I assume that it means that you're positing there's a different way to build a business where you're not necessarily all consumed. What have you learned from talking with people and from building multiple businesses yourself about how you can build businesses in different ways? At the very start of that is possibly kind of reframing the way we see business, right? And the title of the book, Life Profitability, comes from, you know, firstly, the term that we all understand, right, which is financial profitability. You know, it's something that all businesses need ultimately or in the long term to survive. Even venture, you know, kind of your fund business eventually needs to be profitable to survive, right? But what I essentially want to propose here was if you could build a business or just a career for that matter, that wasn't just financially profitable in the narrow sense of word, it could be and would be life profitable. How can you build a business that serves the kind of broader parts of your life? And I think for anyone doing that side hustle at this stage, and this is not to discourage anyone, I think the very first part of pursuing life profitability here and any entrepreneurial journey should be like, why am I actually doing this? What ultimately ends up happening for most entrepreneurs that I know is if $100,000 in revenue is the first target, they hit that and they immediately off to the second target. They hit a million dollars, then it's $2 million, then we want to get to 10. And the question should be, monetary goals are never goals in their own right. It's never an ending. It's always just a milestone onto something else. So the question should always be like, why that goal? Like, what should this do for me once I hit that goal? And that's what I'm trying to inspire in the book is for someone to essentially go back and say, you know what, if my business was successful, if I could work on this full time, if I could grow my team to 10 people, how does it actually serve my life? And I think oftentimes, if you take that lens of in every single kind of phase of building that business, regardless of what's happening or to what extent you're successful, you can actually kind of figure out like, 
does this serve my life? And it probably means different things, right? It probably means, hey, you don't need a million dollar business for you to be life profitable, right? Maybe it is, I mean, kind of a friend of mine who's also been on the show, Paul Jarvis, right? Company of one. Like you can literally be a company of one making 100 or 150 or 250K a year, like regardless of what your number is, doing work that you absolutely love. And maybe that's your version of kind of life profitability because you're not hollowing yourself out to the extent that the other parts of your life are severely neglected or you're accruing immense kind of your life costs in those kind of other realms of your life. Yeah. And I guess one way to look at it is just that the sum of your profitability, if you want to call it that, isn't just what you're worth on paper or how much you earn every year. And that a lot of people who appear to be worth a lot monetarily probably have been neglecting other areas of their life. And it's not something to be so jealous of necessarily because they're living an unbalanced life and maybe in the end, deeply unhappy because of that unbalance. That's the thing for me as well, right? You know, one of the concepts, and I think a tried and tested concept that I mentioned in the book is just Maslow's hierarchy, right? Which is we as human beings, we've always, you know, across the ages, we've needed multiple things for us to kind of get to self-actualization, right? And money or work, like the term you want to, you know, assign to it, is just one part of that journey to get to that self-actualization. And again, I think the key thing, and this was the biggest lesson for me, Corbett, was profit, financial profit going up or bank balance going up on the one side, but the costs that I were accruing, those life costs, didn't necessarily have a monetary value, but it didn't make them less important, right? Like when I was being a shitty dad or a shitty husband or a shitty friend, like those had cost too, or when I wasn't kind of sleeping as good as I should be sleeping or enough, right? Or I wasn't exercising again, like how do I quantify my health in a kind of financial manner to offset this financial profit that I'm making? And I think that's just the key there is trying to think, literally expanding that definition of in what way should my business, my ambition be profitable? And it should be life profitable. It should include all of those things and not just this very kind of narrow focus on financial profit. This episode is brought to you by Cloudways, a managed cloud hosting provider that is all about simplicity and freedom. Cloudways supports all major e-commerce platforms, including WooCommerce and Magento. It offers performance-oriented features such as managed backups, free SSL certificates, Cloudways CDN, built-in caches, security, and 24-7 support. Go to cloudways.com and use the promo code FIZZLE to sign up for a new Cloudways account and get a free $25 hosting credit. Taking care of employees has never been more important. For years, Gusto's been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits, onboard new employees, and more. They call it the people platform. And it doesn't just look nice, it works. Your payroll taxes are filed, deductions are calculated, and your team gets paid. You can even offer health insurance and 401ks. Get three months free after your first payroll when you go to gusto.com slash fizzle. That's gusto.com slash fizzle. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think that even if you define your success as being just monetary and you achieve that in your business, you'll still find yourself unhappy because those other things that are on that pyramid, the other things that make us human that are necessary to our actualization and our overall health and success will become important whether we acknowledge them or not, right? They will drag us down if we don't focus on them. In my own past, have built businesses in two very different ways. I initially left the corporate world to found a sort of traditional venture capital-backed San Francisco-style startup and found myself incredibly stressed 
and at times very unhappy because instead of working for some big Fortune 500 company, now I had a co-founder, a team, an office, advisors, investors, a board of directors, all of these different people pulling me in different directions, and then also the stress of trying to make the business successful. And I remember watching my health and relationships and so on just really take a toll during that time. For me, it ended differently. Instead of successfully exiting like you did, we crashed and burned. And it was a real wake-up call for me. Not only was I not left being successful, but I had spent those three years just really pouring, you know, 80-hour weeks into it and being incredibly unhappy and unhealthy and had very little to show for it at the end. So when I went on to start a new business, I took a sabbatical, took time off, really thought about things recognized that I still wanted to be an entrepreneur, but that I wanted to, instead of trying to make millions of dollars so that I could live some fantasy lifestyle eventually, I thought, why couldn't I try to build the business that afforded me the time to look after myself, to actually have friends and experiences, to be healthy, and so on, while also earning enough to feel good and save for the future. And I'm so glad that I did that. Looking back now, that was 12 years ago that I had that change. And it is incredibly sustainable. There isn't a year where I think I need to throw all this out and become an employee or start a venture capital-backed business. No, I know that this version of entrepreneurship is for me. But that doesn't mean that I don't occasionally get sucked into the all-consuming nature of running a business. I know that you have a bit of a framework for people to think about in terms of life profitability, in terms of what matters, what to look out for, how to go about creating this framework for yourself. Can you walk us through that a little bit to have a better idea? Yeah, totally. And I just want to, before I get into that, just listening to your story there, I think, you know, one of the things that I really propose to any entrepreneur at this stage is that if you really want to be an entrepreneur and you want to build a business, you should see business as a game right? There's rules and it's mostly a game. And just based on the survival rate, the success rates of businesses, the majority of them are going to fail. The reality is it's okay for a business to die. It's tough to fail, right? It's tough to lose money. It's tough to, you know, on the ego, all of those things are tough. I totally get that. I absolutely hate this idea of, you know, failing fast because it totally neglects like how crappy it actually is to fail, right? But the key for me there is like, whilst it's okay for a business to die, the entrepreneurs should not burn themselves kind of out and literally burn themselves to the ground to the extent that they can't stand up and go at it again. And for me, like, that's the key there. It's just like avoiding that. Play the game so that if it's game over on this round, there's actually another round. Like very simple kind of concept, you know, for all the gamers out there. So as I said, I just like listen to your story. Like I wanted to add that. In terms of thinking about life profitability, I mean, the, there's a couple of key themes there for me, Corbett, that I, for anyone wanting to at least start, like if they didn't want to read the book and they wanted to at least start thinking about this, like this is probably what I would give them, right? So firstly, the book works in concentric circles. Like that is one of the core tenets here. The concentric circles are on the cover of the book as well. And the concentric circles represent the following. It essentially starts with you as the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur of your life um, at the very, very core. And you're rippling outwards from there. The outwards then gets into the other circles, which is your immediate family, your friends. If you have a team, your team, your community, etc. right? That the realm of others. And only after that business itself is almost, whether it's a bit of a container for that or just the manifestation of doing those first things kind of right. So I think that's the first kind of key here. Um, and the reason I did that was really as the first step of you know pursuing life profitability should be for every entrepreneur to go back to their core. 
like to go back into themselves. And we've chatted about asking that why question, the why am I actually doing this? If I achieve X and Y and Z and doing this thing, like what does it actually mean? For me, at least like that why should connect to your highest values because all of us, we should invest in our highest values. Like that's where we should spend most of our time, energy, attention, resources. I had a fascinating conversation about a week ago with an individual that said, or proposed at least that Gary Vaynerchuk says like he works crazy hours you know, every week, but he loves it and he never burns out. His health has never suffered. And to that, I say, if Gary Vee is being totally transparent and honest about that, then that is probably his definition of life profitability. For the rest of us, it probably isn't our highest value to work 80 or 100 hour weeks, right? So we need to be clear about what those other things are that is important. And I think doing that exercise, even if the simplest kind of takeaway that I can share from the whole book in terms of pursuing life profitability, doesn't matter whether anyone listening here is at the start of their journey, just wanting to start a business, like 10 years into their existing business, wanting to build it, doesn't matter where they are in the journey, taking that step back and doing that exercise and figuring out their why is valuable because ultimately whatever next steps they take, there is only going to be a single common denominator on that journey. And that's going to be themselves. You can get divorced, spouse can change, families can change, you can move house, you can move city, make new friends, pick up new hobbies, build a new business, change the idea, change the team. Everything else can effectively change, but you're still going to be on that journey. And if you're misaligned with yourself in this moment, you're very unlikely to be able to course correct if you're unaware of that misalignment as you take these next steps. So that's a big part of initially trying to figure out like what does life profitability actually mean for me? And given that we're obviously not the first to talk about this, I think these conversations about what matters in life go as deep as human conversation itself. You know, philosophers throughout the years have talked about it, and there are things that matter that are core and fundamental really to every person, every human, and whether it's part of the hierarchy of needs or whatever framework you want to look at, it often comes down to health relationships, feeling some sort of financial stability. There are various building blocks that matter. But then there are other things I think that are custom to each of us, hobbies, unique things that we look forward to. Are there any of those things in your life that are not necessarily the core building blocks, but that you have identified as being important? You mentioned gamers, like, you know, is gaming important to you? Are there things like that that you recognize as being important that you want to build into your life and make room for? There are definitely hobbies and things that I'm truly interested in that I need to make space for, right? So most people that know me know that I am an enthusiast wine drinker and somewhat of a snob, right? But being able to geek out and nerd out about wine like, is one of those things for me. I often tell people my family is my highest value. So making sure that I am present, like I think that was the biggest learning as well, like in the latter stage of my life is just being somewhere isn't sufficient. I need to be truly present in those spaces. So I'd probably add my family to that. But then I also, things that are important to me is thinking through legacy. You know, for me, really thinking through leaving breadcrumbs along my journey so that if anyone wanted to retrace my steps and figure out like who was 80 whilst he was a mortal being on this universe, they'd be able to do so. Doing things, for example, like this book, which for me is not a profit-driven exercise. It really is about that kind of legacy about getting those ideas out in the world. So if I tallied my whole life portfolio in that sense, there's obviously other things there as well. But like just in those three things, like the things that I put into that life portfolio is already very diverse. And it's not just about my business. It's not just about AD the entrepreneur building another software business, et cetera, or, you know, built and sold two software businesses before. It really is about those other things. And to your point, that is a very unique mix. Like that's specifically also when I worked with my publishing team on the book, I told them straight up, I do not 
want to write a how-to book. I do not want to propose like here's a 10-step blueprint to life profitability because that does not exist. The book is there to inspire, to provoke, to illuminate alternative ways of potentially thinking for every reader and every individual to essentially define what their life profitability looks like for them. Something that we, I think, have not addressed but has been a theme throughout parts of this conversation is the concept of recognition. You mentioned before building a business, wondering if you're a one-hit wonder, even though you had monetary success, trying to do it again, and being driven by something maybe other than money, but not necessarily these things that we're talking about as being part of a well-rounded profitability map for your life. And I've noticed this about myself as well. Sometimes the money isn't enough from the business. There are other things that you want from it. You want it to validate you as being a smart, important person, maybe, and being recognized by whether it's your team or your customers or the broader marketplace or the internet, writing things online. You have always been rather public in writing and so on and being out there with your words. You mentioned legacy. But I wonder, have you recognized that as being important to you? And how does that influence entrepreneurs, that sense of needing to be recognized or for people to notice what you've done? I would sometimes say that feeling relevant in a conversation or in a room, that is definitely something that is, you know, not top of my list, but like up there. And that is part of why I continue doing what I'm doing is because I want to be relevant, essentially. And I think one of the harder things for me, Corbett, has always been in thinking through, like even after I sold Convergio, which is about 18 months ago now, and I spent some time with the choir. But even in that year, I often went to that thinking or line of thinking of, if 80 is not the entrepreneur, like, like, who am I? I don't have a good answer for that just yet. In fact, I've probably settled on the fact that a big part of me will always be a maker, will want to create things, will want to work on things. And entrepreneur in that sense is not a bad label to at least define that and give others context. But again, like big part of that consideration is much less about me and much more about what that label or what that persona says to the world outside and me still being relevant into the conversations I'm in or in the rooms that I walk into. As a repeat offender in the entrepreneurial space, I know that you probably, and I think I read this in the book, that you get excited about that new stage of creating something, thinking about possibilities and so on. For people listening to this, and just as an exercise, if you were going to start another business and you knew that your life profitability and balance mattered to you. So you wanted to build your business in the most efficient way possible, which means you need to focus on just the things that matter. And let's say you want to contain your workday to a reasonable six to eight hours. What are the things that you are going to focus on getting right in the business to begin with? I recently did that during the last couple of months with Campaign Monitor who had acquired Convergio. I started doing that thought experience of like, what would it look like if I started a new business? Considered multiple different things, eventually landed up on another idea, still within SaaS, still within e-commerce. I think I have some clarity about what those things needed to be. And some of them are very tactical in terms of, I wanted to build software that I could sell at a slightly higher price than we did with Convergio, because I just know that, for example, that tactically that makes it easier to grow the business at a certain pace. But the more important parts of that, and when you say efficiency, like I would change the word and I would say alignment. So what I know about myself and big part of why I decided to build another software business is I truly miss having a team. Like optimizing for team is something that needed to be in that idea. I am really, really keen 
on this new team in this new company to really promote diversity. I think I've seen too many homogenous talent pipelines where there are just people like me in there. And I've made the decision that if I don't start changing that and I don't help individuals to get the opportunities so that the next founder's pipeline is not as homogenous, then I'm part of the problem, right? So really you're focusing on diversity. And then also like with the idea we've picked, which is all around, and I won't go into detail on the idea, but helping e-commerce brands optimize their working capital. So essentially finding a better way to grow their businesses. That concept of better, economies of better, not just economies of scale is a big part of me. And as I share those things, for me, you use the word efficiency. I just knew that whatever I did, the idea aside, if I could hit those things, then I'm in alignment with myself where I'm at in this moment and where I think I'm going to be in the next couple of years as I build this business. And if I can do that, then I'm essentially both creating and harvesting energy in the same action. And that is then efficient. It's sustainable because it can sustain me. And if I can sustain me within that environment, then I can probably also ensure that I still build greater life profitability around my business as well. What I hear you saying is really that you put your values first. You're building your business according to values. And maybe they're not values that you're living individually, but these are business values or social, societal values, things that you want to see in the world. And you care a little bit about the business model and trying to make things as effective as possible in terms of building your business. But really, you're just talking about the way that you want to build the business. And maybe this is because you've been through this twice already before. You have the confidence of an entrepreneur that's been around the block and you're less worried about the thing being successful and more concerned about the way in which you're going to make it successful. Yes, with a caveat. I think ultimately, if you think about like what makes the biggest impact, if I said, for example, diversity was something that we really wanted to promote in this new business, the way to promote that diversity is also ensuring that the business is otherwise successful because the business becomes the kind of vehicle, the funder, et cetera, for that pursuit. So I think those things are important. That is sustainability, that sustainable loop that then, you know, can then happen. Yes, this is not my first rodeo. And hence, like why you say confidence, I say like there's just clarity and awareness around these things that are more important to me, i.e. the way of doing it versus just the outcome. I would still propose to anyone listening here is if you're starting today, those bigger things that you're probably aware of already that are important to you, figure those things out and just align your business with that. Because at some stage, like you're going to make your X amount of money that you need. You're going to find that money and success becomes empty unless there is that greater purpose or meaning. And that greater purpose and meaning is generally and kind of other people and other things. It's not within ourselves. It's fascinating in a big part that I was massively influenced by Viktor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning, right? And how he just explains exactly that. He had meaning and hence he survived the concentration camps. Yes, and he was probably a bit lucky. He never got selected, et cetera, et cetera. But many other people who didn't have meaning, like couldn't survive that. And his meaning was simply, he had written his book. He had written his whole manuscript, Man's Search for Meaning, and it got confiscated, you know, in the early days of his time at Auschwitz. And he had to rewrite it in little pieces. And that became his meaning. Like for me, that's the same way I think about building a business and being an entrepreneur. It's important to have that kind of bigger things that we aspire to, because that's the thing that keeps us going on this. Otherwise, we're generally kind of very hard kind of journey of building a business. I love this. Thank you so much, Adi. This is an incredibly important topic that I don't think we talk about enough. It's great to hear someone with your level of experience and success talking about how important this is. I think that we often spend time on tactics and strategies and not enough time on the bigger picture. 
And at the end of the day, what's more important than your personal satisfaction, happiness, however you want to call it, that ultimate meaning in life, the thing through which we derive this sense of accomplishment and oneness with who we're meant to be. Entrepreneurship, I think, is one of the greatest areas that you can do this and you can really express yourself and accomplish so much in your work life, but also bring that to your personal life. But it can really grow out of control if you're not careful. Any last words for people? You know, part of why it gets out of control, by the way, is because that's we're so constantly bombarded in mainstream media by a single narrative about kind of what business success looks like. You know, the true entrepreneurs, and I'm using air quotes for listeners, but like they scoff at the idea of a lifestyle business, for example. So there's only this one version, and that's why things get out of control. But the thought that I would probably leave with listeners here, Corbett, is way back, I believe it was in the 70s, French philosopher Michael Foucault, and he was the first one that coined this phrase of being the entrepreneur of self. And it came out of this kind of movement where he proposed essentially like, you're your own unique individual. There's all this opportunity, you can do these things. And as he started and said, he coined that phrase, you know, being the entrepreneur of self. But as he got into it, he actually changed it. It became more about self-care. And I think like that's the thought that I would leave with. Whether you consider yourself an entrepreneur or not, whether you're building business or not, whether it's just your professional career, like we're all ultimately entrepreneur of our own lives, entrepreneur of self. And the key component is self-care there. And self-care will always be holistic. Yes, you need money in the bank because capitalism is the way societies run, but you also need many, many other things to ensure that you take care of yourself and you're actually able to keep moving forward on this journey that you're on. 80 PNR, thank you so much for being here today. People listening to this can find your book, Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. Where should people go to look for the book, by the way? Amazon is probably the easiest for everyone. Otherwise, it is available both in ebook and digital formats on all major retailers. Otherwise, my website, 80.me, that's 80.me, also has loads of links. Awesome. And as always, of course, you can find the show notes, for everything that we talked about today over at fizzleshow.co. I'm Corbett Barr, and until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show.